verses 14 down through verse 26. When you get there, you can say amen. Amen. Verse 14, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone would say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham my father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's pray together. Father, we do bless you. We thank you for this privilege that we have to hear your word this morning. Father, will you speak clearly, precisely, your truth. Use my lips, use my mouth, use my my mind, use my hands, and use my feet. Father, I'm just here, Lord, offering myself as your servant this morning. Father, will you speak a word to us in season that will challenge us to be more like your son, Jesus? We love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, "Amen." amen. Amen. You may be seated in his presence. A few weeks ago, we had embarked upon a series entitled Grace. How many of you enjoyed that series? We had talked about the various facets of grace, and and we talked about the importance of understanding what grace is. We're not going to go back and belabor grace, as we've already taught on that subject, but I want to talk about something that is a little bit more pressing as it relates to our culture and where God has us on today. Um, I, for one, have noticed, and I'm sure you have too, that we live in a very, very religious culture. And what I mean by that is that, that people have religious uh, ideals and thoughts about what it takes to please God and to be right with God. You see people, and one of the things that really frustrates me is to see it paraded not just on TV and in Hollywood, but you see people that wear things like crosses, and, and if you ask them the question whether or not they are, you know, who is their Savior, they, you know, a lot of times they'll say, the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior, and they're, they're, they'll, they'll tell you that, but yet when you look at their life, there is no connection. So what you hear is, Jesus Christ is my Savior, and he's my Lord. But then when you look at their life, it's like, where's the beef? Where's the proof? And for us, we get taken back by that because as Christians, we understand grace. But so when somebody say to us, yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus Christ, automatically we just kind of get set back because we're in conflict because we see their lifestyle and we hear what they're saying, and so sometimes we're not really sure how to handle that. So this morning, we're going to talk about how to handle that, not so much 
because of you. I believe that you who are, staying, who are sitting here today, that the overwhelming majority of you, you love God. You are serious about your faith. Amen. You love God with all of your heart. And so, but we need to address, how many know that God has placed us here for a purpose? You are where you are for a particular reason, and you are to make a difference where you are. This is our Judea, if you will. He talked about Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. This is our Judea. And as Christians, we must be very clear. We must not be confused upon the issue of salvation. Because we don't want people to be deceived. Amen? We don't want people to think that they are saved when in fact they're really not saved. We don't want people thinking that you can live any old kind of way and then think that somehow just because you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, then that makes you right with God. Because the reality of it is, is that it does not. Timothy talked about there's a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. Not we, but they who don't know God. And what that simply means is that they know enough to be dangerous. They know enough that they can quote scripture. They can tell you some religious things because they grew up in the church. But they deny the power because what they say, their life don't match up. I mean, know that whatever we say, our life must match up with what we say. If you're telling me you're a Christian today and that you're saved and your life is not matching up, something is wrong with your faith. You got some kind of faith that we don't know about. But it is, it is, it is critical that we as people of God understand that what it really means to believe in Jesus Christ. Because many people say that, I believe, I believe in Jesus Christ. But what does it really believe? What does it really mean to believe in Jesus Christ? As we talked in recent weeks, we understand that Paul, and we're not going to go back over it because you all know, the, know what we have been talking about, but the Apostle Paul addressed the issue in Romans chapter 6. Paul says that we're saved by grace. He says that in Ephesians chapter 2, not by faith, uh, not by works, lest any man should boast. Uh, we are saved by the finished work of Christ and what he did on the cross. How many know that without Christ there is no salvation? He is all sufficient. He is our Savior. You can't work your way in. Don't even think about it. Don't even try it. Having said all of that, James appears on the surface to contradict what the Apostle Paul said. So we got to dig down into the Word of God and understand what really was James speaking about when James said man is justified not just by faith only, but by works. And for those who are critical of the scripture who always want to try to undermine the word of God, they will say, there's a contradiction. There's no contradiction in the word of God. The problem is you just haven't figured it all out yet. You need to study. There is no contradiction. God is not schizo. God is not crazy. Amen? Amen. We are crazy sometimes, but God is not. God doesn't play games, and, and what he says, he means it. Amen? And so there is no contradiction in the word of God. Let's be very, very clear about that. If you come across something you think is a contradiction, you just need to study some more because there is no contradiction. And so, James, let's take a look at this because I think it's so important as I was meditating and praying about this and I, and I happened to, to see it and it just bothered me how I know of this particular individual, I won't call names, that is very, very popular in our culture and our society today was talking about how they believe in Jesus Christ, but yet everything about their life screams that they don't. Screams. I'm not talking about like, I mean, scream. How I many know the tree is known by its fruit? And we need to be, we need to be honest about it. If you are a Christian, there ought to be something in your life that shouts it to everybody that you meet. 
If you say that you're a believer and people can still look at you, talk to you, and you can do the exact same, and you have no conviction, there's no change in your life, then you didn't get saved. What you got was religion. What you got is an intellectual understanding. But it takes more than just having an intellectual understanding. Well, Pastor, what the Bible says that if you believe, that's what we want to talk about, right? If you believe in Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. But what does believe mean? As we'll look here in a moment, the Bible says that the devils believe. Did you know that? <laughs> in fact, the devil is more orthodox than most of us sitting in this room. The devil knows the scripture. He knows the word of God. The Bible says the devil believed, but they tremble. But how do we know? There is no salvation for no devil. They believe. They have knowledge. They know about, but they haven't embraced it. They don't like it. They don't want it. And when you run into people who have a problem with Jesus, I said the other night in Bible study, I got a brother who tells me he's a Christian, but he, he don't like anything that Jesus has to say. And in my as I've grown in the Lord, I, I just don't, I don't mince words anymore. I just tell you straight up, brother, you need to get right because you, what you got ain't right. That's what James, James is like one of these brothers that's kind of like he just put it raw. Paul, was, Paul was, a, was, a, was an apostle of grace. Paul put words, Paul put it in a way that you can receive it. He tried to, tried to dress it up a little bit so he can get it. Whereas, whereas James just kind of punched you right in the face. James, I haven't mean, ever met those brothers or those sisters. They don't know how to. They don't know how to communicate. All they just did, they just tell you straight up. They don't. They don't try to put any dressing on it. They just tell you. James is one of those brothers. He was, He just will tell you straight up where you at. Let's go right into the word of the Lord. James asked a question. James says, "What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him?" A brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food. So now he's giving you an example. And one of you says to them, depart in peace. Be warm and feel. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. And there are two kind of faith that is really, really popular in American culture. The said faith. These are the said faith are people that profess that they're Christians. You ever met any one of those? The said faith folk, they say they, they really don't have any faith at all. They believe that their intellectual knowledge of Jesus saved them. They believe because they went to church, they grew up in church, and they heard religious garb that that's good enough. They believe because they've been around some Christian folks, show up in church, give an offering now, every now and then, that that is good enough that they're saved. In reality, they're really slaves to their own desire because when Jesus conflicts with what they don't want, then, then they usually have a problem with Jesus. These are the professors of faith. But saving faith, are these who fully receive Christ. Receive is not just an intellectual belief in Jesus to say, because like, we said before, the devil believes, right? It's more of an embracement that I surrender my life. I receive and I'm going to surrender my life to your will. This is what we call authentic faith, real faith. Real faith says this. I'm living for Jesus, and every single day of my life, I intend to live holy, I intend to live righteous, and I'm going to live my life to honor him, period. These folks live their life every single day trying to please Jesus. In other words, they practice what they preach, and they preach what they practice. These are what we call people of faith. 
But James is dealing, James is not really, he's not contradicting the Apostle Paul. He's just crystallizing what Paul said just a little bit more. Because you remember in, in Romans chapter number 6, Paul was a little bit concerned too with folks abusing grace. You know what I'm talking about. Paul said, how can you who have been delivered from sin, saved from sin, continue? Why would you want to do that? James is kind of say, no, you're not right. You're not saved if you think that way. That's what Paul both were saying the same thing. One just said it a little bit lighter where you can receive it. But watch what he says here. He asks the question, can faith save him? No, verse 17. Does faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. What that means is you really have no faith at all. But if someone will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God and you do well. See, James, James addressed this issue that we talked about. Even the demons believe and they tremble. But what do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So here James, James is driving home the point once and again. That it's not enough just to talk about I love Jesus. It's not enough. Watch this. It's not enough just to say the Lord is my, he's my savior. It's not enough for somebody to walk up to you and, and say, say these words with me. And that you confess it, but yet you don't live it. How many know that you're being deceived? And there is a great deception today. And this is why we got to deal with it. Because there are people on the outside who think that they're on the inside. Who believe that they can have their cake and eat it too. And let's be honest, you cannot have your cake and eat it too. Jesus said in Luke, look at Luke 6.46 if you will. I'm just going to run with this. I'm out of order a little bit, but y'all stay with me. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. When you get there, you can say amen. <laughs> Jesus was kind of really solidifying what the apostle James was saying as well. Watch what Jesus says. Jesus says it this way. You there? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? <laughs> Jesus said, why? Why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? The implication there is I'm not really your Lord unless you're walking with me. I'm not really your Lord until you've made a conscious decision that you're going to obey me. Because he says, why do you call me Lord? In other words, he's saying, stop calling me Lord if you don't want to walk with me. He says in another place that if you love me, you will keep my what? Commandments. And so we got to deal with the fact that folk who think that they don't have to keep his commandments. Open your eyes, look around. There are a lot of people who don't think that they have to keep it. They just think that it's optional. And here's the catch-all. God knows I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. Shut up. That's, that's, that is a cop-out. Because he knows you're a sinner, but he told you to live right. He won't tell you to do something if you weren't able to do it. So we start saying, well, God, he already knows. We don't need to talk about it. We're not being perfect. We don't need to talk about all that. What he said is that you're supposed to live a certain way. You're supposed to be holy, set apart, sanctified. The way you talk, the way you walk, who you hang with, what your communication is, what you put in your mouth, what you put in your lungs, all of that change when you get right with God. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Do you hear me? Now watch. He said, but why do you call me Lord and you don't do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me, hear my words or hear my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. <laughs> he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose and the stream beat vehemently against that house, it could not shake it, for it was founded on a rock. See, 
because all of you have been founded on a rock. Amen. I'm believing that. Hallelujah. Even if there's somebody here ain't saved, I'm believing it. I'm confessing it over you. But watch this. But he who heard, look at verse 40, look at verse 49. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built the house on the earth without a foundation against which, which the streams beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. This doesn't sound like a cheap grace, does it? James, Jesus, and the Apostle Paul, they were all saying the same thing. That when you really give your life, when you really believe in Jesus, it changes the way that you live. If it does not change the way that you live, then you're being deceived. You don't have faith at all. Now let's go back to James chapter number 2. Let's keep reading. It says in verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works, and not by faith only. You see then that a man is justified by works, and not by faith only. So in other words, if we look at the scripture in context, what he's talking about there is what real faith is. Because if you have real faith, it changes you. Amen? Real faith, you're going to show fruit. Now, your fruit may differ depending on who you are and where you are in your walk with God. But real faith, you're going to demonstrate some fruit. Amen? Now, watch it. Let's keep going. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot. Now, you know, why would we be quoting a prostitute? Ain't that something? Rahab the harlot. Y'all know what a harlot is? Bible said that she was justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now here's how you handle folk that, that, that tell you that they can have their cake and eat it too. If they come and tell you you're, you're, they're, they're Christians and you see them acting real, real crazy and there's no fruit, you need to you point them right back at James and say, you need to get saved. I'm talking about a person that is habitually sinning against God. Somebody who sins again, and they feel, look, and they feel, they feel like, hey, it's okay. Is anybody in here? No, I'm not going to answer that question. Because I have to stop my sermon and start splashing oil all over the place. But we got, we got to address this issue because let me tell you something. In our culture today, you look at TV or wherever you go, there are people that are doing it. They're saying all over the place, hey, man, I'm, Jesus Christ is my Savior. And you listen to their songs. I'm like, I'm listening to these, 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 these famous people who say Jesus is my Savior, and I, listen, and I listen to what they're singing. Everything they're singing is so anti-God. They are promoting an agenda against the things of God. They carry themselves in a way that don't promote godliness. And they think that that is okay. That I can, I can just do this and, and I can just say the word, I can show up and I can just go to church. And, and, and they're so bold now, they just come to church and they feel good. And the preachers let them do it. Don't tell them the truth. But I don't want nobody to get deceived by just being a, let's, let's look at this, look at James. You already in James. Go to James chapter 1, if you will. James chapter 1. Are you there? Now watch this. Therefore, we're still in James. How many of you like James? Yes, sir. James. I like James. Brother James. I get to heaven. That's one of them brothers I want to meet. James, talk to me. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness. Some filthiness. Did that say some filthiness or what? All. Lay aside all of it. An overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, watch this, the implanted word, 
which is able to save your souls. But be, watch this, doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving who? Are you tracking with me? So you just can't, watch this, the Bible, James clearly said, James said, don't just be a hearer of the word, but you better be a doer. Because he said, if you're not a doer, you're being deceived. If you think that you can just hear this word, how many know that every Sunday morning you come here and I preach, you know you're accountable to everything you hear. If it lines up with the word, and I do my best to make sure it does, you are accountable for it. You cannot sit here and just hear the word. You listen to me. Don't come into church. And some folk, some folk already watch this. Some people come in church and they have a disposition. They've already selected the things that they're going to work with and the things that not. I can see it in some folk faces. Now everybody like you need to see your faces now. <laughs> some folk come in but they have a disposition that that there's some things I'm going to receive. There's some things I'm just not going to receive. Then you need to ask yourself, what did you do? When you got saved. I tell, you, I tell you something. I stayed out of church for a long time. What I mean is I grew up in church. I won't say. I grew up in church. I, I knew. I knew the religion. You come and ask me some Bible stuff. I can tell you some Bible stuff. I tell you Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Heck when I was a little kid they were baptizing you. You didn't have to confess nothing. <laughs> hey you want to get baptized? Everybody get baptized. Come on jump. I just I was like yeah swimming pool. Woo! Let's do it. And one thing that kept me for, for the longest time, and, Jesus, and the Lord was chasing after me, and for the longest time, I would not give my life to Jesus because I knew, I knew this. I knew that getting saved meant that I had to give up some stuff. i say that again. Getting saved meant I had to give up some stuff. And, and I was a little bit hesitant because I was in college, you see. And, you know, in college, you're supposed to be partying, right? You're supposed to be having fun. You're supposed to be just living and enjoying your life and just being like all the rest. And I was running because I knew that if I want to get right with God, I had to change. I could not do that stuff. I just could not because, and so, so I was like, every time I saw a preacher, I ran. I was scared to death because I knew what truth was. So for me, when I came into it, I didn't have no misconceptions. I didn't have any misunderstanding. I came into faith. I was like, yeah, I, I know. I, I already knew. I got to give it up. Nobody had to come tell me nothing. I mean, I was burning up CDs, tapes. My friends I had, I just got all of them. I said, can't talk to you now. I got to go. Hey, man, said, hey, brother, some party down the street Thursday night. You used to have them Thursday night, late at night, wing night. Can't go. <laughs> can't do it, brother. What do you mean, brother? He looked at me laughing. Brother, I said, brother, I, just, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus. Can't do that no more. I, as a young, look, what, just coming into the thing, I knew that. You got people that have been going to church for years. Amen. Walking the doors of the church. Have not changed not one iota. And they believe that they're going to heaven. And they have been deceived because they don't do what the word says. If you don't do what the word says, then you're deceiving yourself. You just can't say, I believe. It's not enough just to say, I believe. If you believe, then they got to, in pitching terms, they got to be a change up or you're still messed up. If there is no change, nothing happened. You can't tell me that I've been impacted by the power of the Holy Ghost and I still can walk in sin, live in. Come on, somebody. What, what are you talking about? If you have been changed, you have the power of God on your life, something you, you ain't going to be the same. Everybody's going to look at you. What's up with you, brother? You ain't the same. What, what happened to you? <sighs> but, the, but the church cannot be lax and slack on this issue and let people think it's okay. That's why we have to deal with sin. That's why we have to put people on notice, not because we think we're better, but because we're called to holiness. Amen. And I said I believe, and if I said I believe, I'm going to show you what I believe. That's what James, James says, you show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. My faith is real faith because I'm living it, and I can prove it to you. Watch. Where are we? I have no idea where we're at. Verse 22. 
Therefore, be doers of the word in James and not hearers only, deceiving who? Yourself. For anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observed himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, I mean, we live under grace. But what is he teaching about the perfect law of liberty? That there's a responsibility, that there is accountability still to live right. The perfect law of liberty, the law of grace, teaches us to live right. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continue, everybody say continue. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a what? Doer. Doer. Do I have any doers in the house? Come on, clap your hand if you're a doer. All right, look around. See who's not clapping. No, just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. But... But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. We just can't talk about how much we believe. We just can't think, we just can't act like that there are no commandments, that grace means I'm free. James said the real salvation is a salvation that produces works. You know, uh, there's another place in the Bible, in Hebrews. Y'all read Hebrews chapter 11? Y'all read Hebrews? Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse, start at verse 30. Diva, you're going to kill me for this, but I'm sorry. Just, just, just flow with it. And I didn't give her those verses, but I'm just being led by what the Spirit of God is saying, so I just felt like I just need to say this. By faith. Everybody there? Hebrews 11:30. Are you there? Say Amen. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Now, I want you to see something. What happened here? These are people that lived in faith. Watch. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe, but uh, when she had received the spies with peace. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time will fail to tell me of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jeshweth, also of David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, come on somebody, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, they quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became violent in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again, others were what? Tortured, not accepting deliverance. Did you hear that? They were tortured. They could have been delivered, but they decided not to because they was willing to take it for Jesus. Mmm, got quiet in here. Verse 36, still others had trials of mockings and scourges, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, were tempted were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted and tormented, whom this world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made Perfect apart from us. Now, now listen to this. Listen, this is this is wonderful. These folks demonstrated their faith. Many of them, the scripture said, they died. They were willing to go that far. They were willing to accept the affliction. I believe that there's coming a time in this nation and in this country, no doubt, that the affliction is going to happen. And we're going to weed out those who are the real deal, and those who are what we call the professors of faith. Those who talk about their faith. The time is coming when it's going to get weeded out. And how many know it's already starting to happen? Can't you tell? It's already starting to happen. And, you, and the church is sitting back like this. We're like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Because, you know, there's a lot of money. You know, he, they give a lot of money to the church. They're very, very popular. 
and I, I can't, I, I don't know. I mean, this could really help me spread. No, you can't spread the gospel if you ain't spreading truth. The gospel is truth. And you never compromise truth under any circumstances. I don't care what you got. I don't care who you are. Do you believe that your pastor, if the president was sitting right here, do you think I would say anything other than him than the truth? You better believe it. I would say, you need to repent. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much power you got. Because all power belongs to him. You have no authority over him anyway. He is the power and the glory. I'm a coward. I'm a much more afraid of him. Amen. And you ought to be too. Because you're going to have to give an account. You meaning the church. Going to give an account for what we do with what we know and what we are here witnessing in this earth, in this country. We are called to be light and darkness. We are not called to sit back and watch. We are not called to let deception run crazy in the church. We are called to speak truth no matter where it lands and no matter where we are. I am determined to be faithful to the gospel till I die. Are you? Let's keep going. Come with me to 1 John real quick. 1 John. 1 John chapter number 3, verses 4 through 10. 1 John chapter 3. You get there, say Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, walk right. <laughs> Look at your neighbor again and say, be holy. Because God is holy. Look at your neighbor and say, don't fake it. Because Jesus knows it. Be real. If you're not saved, get saved today. Because pastor going to give an altar call. Amen. Are you there? Amen. <laughs> Verse number four in 1 John chapter three. Whoever commits sin commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. That's ultimate rebellion against God and his word. And you know that he was manifest. Watch this now. He was manifest, meaning he was Jesus, to take away our sins. In him there is no sin. Watch this. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now, you don't hear too many of those verses being read today, do you? We, we have, a, have a heavy emphasis on the grace verses. But, 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 but listen what they're saying. If you study this in its true context, this is taught that the Greek rendering, the verb there, and we talk about commit, commit sin, we're talking about one that habitually sins. This is what characterizes their life. This is a lifestyle. We're not talking about people who every now and then, how many know that it's very rare that Christians sin if it, come on. Amen. It should not be the norm. It should be like abnormal. You really slipped up. How many know you don't slip up in sin? Like, you know, some people say, you know, they've been, they've been doing stuff, been doing wrong for years. I just slipped up. You ain't slipped up. You, you, what are you talking about slipped up, brother? You, you playing that. You've been walking in it. Amen. You know, slip up means I get caught off by surprise, right? That's slip up. See, if I fall right now, that was, a, that was an accident. You know, you have a moment every now and then somebody say something or get on your nerve. You might lash out, but quickly you go, oh, wait a minute, let me get back in place. But you've been, like, contemplating it and doing it and spending the money and spending the time, and you've been just, just living in it. I mean, no, you didn't slip up in nothing. Nope. You did that on purpose. Everybody say purpose. purpose. That's what they did. But if you're saved, you don't live like that on purpose. <laughs> if you're saved, listen to me. If you're, walking, if you're saved this morning, your life is not characterized by sin. Your life, you are holy, you are set apart, you are sanctified, and, and listen, everybody's supposed to know it about you. Some folks are more into all, listen, uh, let me start. I, I, need, I, I don't need to say that because I just, I don't want to get nobody. Okay, let's just keep going. I hear you, Lord. Well, here we go. Watch this. Whoever commits sin, whoever, verse number six, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. 
See, watch the word again. See, see, look at, see, deceive. Let no one deceive you. He who practiced, I like, I, I told you, now this is John, this is Brother John. Now, you know, the Brother John was the apostle of love. <laughs> brother John, that's the same one that was laying on Jesus' breast, you know. When Jesus was about to die, he was laying, John was, he was tight. He loved, he loved him some Jesus. He's a love apostle. Everything you read First John, all you talk about, he, he loved. He, he's a love it, the love it, the brother, love it, God. That's all he talks about is love. But even John had to bring some clarity in this thing. He said, look at verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. All right? So he who practices righteousness is righteous, just like who? We're talking about Jesus. That's right. He who sins is of the who? I didn't say that. I'm just reading the word. One, this is talking about a person that habitually sins, walking in unrighteousness. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Now watch this. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, watch this, that he might destroy the works of who? The devil. So Jesus saved us. So that the devil wouldn't have influence on our life. He came to destroy the works of the devil. So why do we think we can continue living like the devil? He came to destroy, to put it to rest. That's why he said, sin shall not have dominion over you. You are free. You are set apart. You are sanctified. You are holy. You smell different. You know, holy people, they don't even smell the same. Amen, amen. We certainly don't talk the same. And we certainly don't dress the same. We don't even look the same. Come on, somebody. Everything about you changes when you get right with Jesus. You know everything about you. You're full of life. I tell you what, I don't, I don't apologize for it. Let me tell you, I look good today because I've been walking with Jesus. And I ain't afraid to say, I look good. Now, somebody can say, well, Pastor, talking about, no, I look good. And people, look, I go back home. How many know people who walking in sin, living in sin, they look terrible? Amen. You can see it all. I mean, they, they're just they're terrible. I mean, I got people I went to high school with. I'm 46. They look like they're 80. <laughs> How many know living right make you look good? I mean, make you look real good. That's why that's another reason you want to stay holy. Walk with Jesus. Don't be messing around with sin. Ain't no good coming up out of that. Look at the neighbor and say, I'm holy. <laughs> he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. There it is. Don't do it. For his seed remains in him. You can't just sin against God and you know you got the Holy Spirit living up on the side of you like, oh, but you can't do it. You can't do it. Because you got his seed in you. You have the presence of the Holy Ghost sealed until the day of redemption. You've been washed in his blood. You can't do it. Saving faith and said faith, I mean, no, there's a very distinct difference. Don't just talk me to death. What, how are you living? That's the true acid test of whether or not you're saved or not. We're not saved by works. But because I'm saved, I work. Does that make sense? Because I'm saved. See, Abraham, when he went to offer his son, he wasn't walking up there saying, well, I, I hope this is right. No, Abraham, before he went to offer his son, he was already living right. And because he was living right, he was ready to go offer his son. He wasn't trying to do He just, Abraham just said, look, I'm doing God. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm doing it. And he just went. He just went, and he obeyed what God said. And because he obeyed what God said, Abraham received the blessing of the inheritance. And so watch this, people. We want, we want to close this down, but, but look at this. 
Verse 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin. His seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, let's look at, in closing, look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5 through 6. You there? Say amen. Amen. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Mm -mm -mm. Test yourselves. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying, don't take it for granted. Now, I want to remind you who Apostle Paul was talking to. He wasn't talking to, he wasn't out in the marketplace in the street. He was talking to the Corinthian church. He was talking to church folk, people who are in the church. The letter was to the Corinthians. And he said to them, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do not do you not know yourselves <laughs> that Jesus Christ is in you? And I know, are you sure? Do you know? Are you positive? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Because Paul believed and wanted to believe at, at least that who he was talking to, that they were really in the faith. Here's the thing. And we're done. But here's the thing that we got to remember. And I say this because the Lord showed me very clearly that this is, is a spirit. How I many know that we talked, we said this before, we talked about the doctrine of demons. And there's a doctrine that is out there that people really do believe that they can do whatever they want and all they got to do is say, I believe in Jesus and they're saved. They are not if their life don't match up. Everything that we read here today, the Old Testament saints, how I many you know the Old Testament saints, they all, they did stuff. I mean, they gave their life. They were wandering around in caves and deserts. How I many know if you ain't really saved, if somebody threatened your life, you'd be like, hey, but whatever you want me to do, you ain't going to be going through all of that if you don't really know him. But you know him. And so, and you know a tree by its fruit because we have the same spirit. And so this is what we communicate to those who think that it's okay to live however they want and think that they have a free ticket into heaven. Don't work that way. Because the issue is, and I don't, don't listen to what people say, but look at their life and look at the decisions that they make. And you can find out where they really are. I know there are a lot of popular people out there. They sound really nice. Don't get into that. What kind of life are you living? What are, are you promoting the ideas out of here? Don't call yourself a Christian if you ain't living this. It's time to get right. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Lord, we thank you. If you're here this, if you're here this morning and you know that, that you're not right with God, listen to this word and you know you're not right with God this morning. And you know that perhaps you've been playing games. You have a, you have a spirit of religion Maybe you do some things right. You go to church, you give, but you know in your heart you're not committed to the word of God. In fact, you never really made that commitment to the word of God. You just believe that you can have your cake and eat it too. If that's you this morning, hell is populated. I want you to know this. Hell is populated with people, and it's going to be populated with people who are deceived. That's why this is not a game. This is serious business. Hell is real. There is no chance of salvation after a person leaves this earth. Now is the time. He said in his word, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. If you know that you haven't committed, and you know who you are, if you know that you have not committed your life to Jesus, I'm not, don't tell me about all the religious activity. Don't tell me about all the neat things you did. But you know in your heart, you have not committed your life to Jesus. I want you to slip your hand up. Today is your day. You can make it right today. Make a, make a commitment to serve him. It doesn't matter what other people think because what's more important 
is your eternal destiny. That's what's at stake here. Not what other people think. We don't care about what other people think. We care about your, your soul. Everybody's going to have to give an account. Is there one today who say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm not, I haven't submitted my life. I, I've been just playing games. I, I, I really haven't given over. I, and I want to do that today. I really want to do that today. Is there one who would say that? Maybe you are here this morning and of course you're saved, but you've been taking for granted God's grace. Somewhere along the line, your thinking got skewed that you believe that somehow the grace affords me the license to fulfill the lust of my flesh. And you've just been convicted that you know that it doesn't. And by slipping your hand, I'm not going to ask you to come up. You can stay where you are. Then, then you need to slip your hand up to the Lord as an act of surrender. So, Lord, I've taken for granted your grace, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is there one? Thank you. I see that hand. Is there another one that will be bold before the Lord and talk to the Lord? Is there another one? after me, Lord Jesus. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your son. Forgive me for taking your grace for granted. Forgive me for not walking the way that I should have. Today, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm going to another level. I'm going to be holy in my conversation how I act, how I walk, how I talk. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And Father, I do thank you, Lord, for reminding us, Lord, our call to holiness. And Lord, we do pray for our nation. We pray for many people, Lord, that are deceived today. And unfortunately, Lord, we as a church have allowed it in some cases for people to feel like that they can have their cake and eat it too. People are calling you Lord and Savior, Lord, but you're not Lord at all. They've been playing games, Lord, and they've been going through the motions, and they've been doing a few religious activities, and they've been made to think that they're okay with God. Father, will you please bring life, and will you please speak to your church to stand in a gap out of love, not out of self-righteousness, but out of genuine love because we don't want to see anybody, Lord, go to hell and spend eternity away from you because they were deceived.